Hi everyone, welcome to Maybe Swearing Will Help. I'm your host, Katerina, and I'm so happy to have you here on my very first episode. Not only is this my first episode, this is my first ever interview. So it was a big day, but I'm really excited about this episode. Uh, On the show, we've got Nurse Becca. So she has been a nurse in Winnipeg for a few years now. We get into it all. We get into why she became a nurse, uh, what life was like, you know, pre-COVID, through the spring, through the summer, and now with wave two. Uh, I share a little bit about my experience working in the hospital. And just like her final thoughts, um, she had some, some good stories there. So I think you are going to enjoy this episode just as much as I did. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening. And uh, let's get to it. Okay, well, hello, Becca. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You are my very first guest. And you're also my very first interview. I've never interviewed anyone before. To be so. honest, I've never been interviewed. So this is both new for us. Yeah, this is so exciting. But but thank you so much for taking the time to be here and sharing some of your stories. I think this is going to be maybe like a little bit of a serious conversation, but also super fun. For sure. Okay, so obviously I know you, <laughs> but the listeners do not. Yeah. So just to... Kind of help us get to know you better. I want to go all the way back oh to your nursing journey and tell us, like, is this something that you always knew you wanted to get into or how did this come about? Well, growing up, I actually wanted to be a clown, like a, like a hundred percent straight up circus clown, um, which wasn't a feasible <laughs> option. Amazing. So back in the day, take your kid to work day in grade nine, which I still think they do. Um, my dad's a nurse. So I went with him to his workplace and realized this is kind of what I want to do. Um, I didn't know what kind of nurse that I wanted to be. I didn't really know that honestly until the last year of my nursing degree. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was from grade nine. That's when nursing was in the back of my mind. That is so cool that you followed in your parents' footsteps. Like that take your kid to work day actually had an impact and was effective. It did. It did. (laughs) That's so funny. Okay. So then you went into the program like pretty much right out of high school. Yep. Straight out of high school. I did like your U1 or whatever that is, some prerequisites. Um, And then I actually did an extra year during my degree because the nursing program is so heavy. Uh, A lot of people do it in the four years. I took five years to do it. Um, Just to lighten my load, I still had to work and, you know, pay for my tuition and have a part-time job. So I just took an extra year to kind of lighten my course load. Right. And then you graduated and actually started working in a hospital when? Uh, That would have been January of 2015. 2015. Okay. And was it everything you'd thought it would be? I didn't really have any expectations. Um, I did my senior practicum where I currently work. So I had three months of extensive training with another nurse. Um, So I felt pretty prepared. Um, Any kind of nurse that you can be, you never really know until you're you're kind of thrown in there. So I know my field of work, which is oncology, cancer, um, but I would have Mm -hmm. no idea what like labor and delivery is like. So that's way out of my element. 
Isn't that so cool? Like I didn't realize it was so specific. Like obviously I don't, I'm not related to a nurse or like, I don't know anybody except you, I guess, um, who's been doing this for as long. But like, I always thought it was very, like you were more, I don't want to say well-rounded, but like you could just go anywhere and do anything. I didn't realize you were kind of like stuck to your own wing of the hospital. Yeah. So where I am is, is one wing. If I ever decided, you know what, oncology isn't my thing. I could go to labor and delivery. That's the beauty of nursing. I could go into psych nursing. I could go into any kind of nursing that I want with my degree. Um, there would be, there would be training with that. I've just chosen kind of the oncology line and to pursue that at least right now. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for educating me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what is, let's go pre COVID. Yeah. Um, what is like a day in the life? Like what does your shift typically look like? So it depends on whether I'm working days or nights. I work 12 hour shifts. So I'll go through a day shift with you. Uh, I wake up, I go into work um, and I get the assignment um, that the charge nurse has made for me. So usually our ratios are around two to three, sometimes four uh, stable patients um, for my full 12 hour shift. And then we get report from the previous shift. So if I'm working a day shift, I'll get report from the night shift and just kind of hear how their mm -hmm. night went, what their main issues are, how things are going. Then we'll go into okay. the patient room, give them their morning meds, do their assessments. So that's full vital signs, you know, a full head to toe assessment, making sure that um, checking out all their signs and symptoms from the chemotherapy that we give. Um, then we have rounds at 930. These are interdisciplinary rounds. So there's physicians, there's pharmacy, there's social work, there's spiritual care, there's occupational therapists, physiotherapists, every kind of member of the healthcare team are in those rounds. And we talk about the plan of care for the patient, kind of what they need to go forward, how to get them through their treatment. During that time, the physicians will order uh, anything that they think the patient needs. So whether that's blood products, antibiotics, any electrolyte replacements, so magnesium, potassium, those type of things, and any tests yeah. or scans that the patient wants to go through. So CTs, chest x-rays, any kind of problems, ultrasounds like that. Uh, at some point okay. during the day, the patient will get chemotherapy, depending on their treatment, their diagnosis and kind of regimen and where they are. Um, chemotherapies can be first thing in the morning. They can be 24-hour chemotherapies. Um, everyone is kind of different. So again, that's up to the doc doctor to order what they, what they want. Um, and then mm -hmm. technically, I'll have a lunch break or not, depending on how busy it is. <laughs> that's typical nursing. Um, and then in the afternoon, there's meds, there's more chemo, there's more blood products, kind of the same thing as the morning. Around 3 or 4 p.m., I finally get the chance to sit down, do some charting. Uh, usually at that point, okay. I realize I have not peed all day, so I usually try to do that at that mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. And then supper time, meds, and then tying up any loose ends before the next shift comes on. So that's in a full 12-hour shift. And of course, night shift is different. Right. And when does Dr. Miranda Bailey come in and tell you that your charts are sloppy and you have to redo them? I'm a big Grace fan. We're on season 17, but the real hospital yeah. is not like Grey's Anatomy, unfortunately. You know what, though? I have to say it was really funny. Um, I think it was you that posted on your Instagram when you were like, um, when the Grey's Anatomy doctors have better PPE than you do. But they actually do. And that's the sad part. And you can Google yeah. it. And there's tons of articles of people being so mad about that. It's so funny. Um, okay. So then COVID starts to happen like outside of Canada, then it hits Canada, then it hits Manitoba. So what was like, what was going on those first couple days or weeks? Like, was there big major changes? Were you getting like daily briefs about what to expect or 
or what was going on in the hospital or whether you just kind of like, um, I heard about this thing in the news. Like, should we be doing anything? Right. So from the start, I don't think anybody had any idea what to do. That includes the nurses and like the higher up officials. It was this is new to everybody and everybody's kind of figuring it out as they go along. Um, the main thing that changed first was the PPE that we were wearing. So for people who don't know what PPE are, I think everybody does at this point, but it's per- personal protective equipment. So goggles, masks, gloves, gowns, that changed daily for us. Some days it was like, wear your mask only in the room, but don't wear it around the nursing desk. Wear a gown all day. Change your gown every time you have a patient interaction. Wear the same gown every day. Now it's like, don't wear a gown. Mm-hmm. So every single day we're like, hey, what are we doing with our PPE today? And yeah, finally, totally. it, it yeah. took into the summer for them to kind of like create these zones that they call them green or green zone, orange zone and red zone of kind of what PPE to wear in what area. So that was like the main thing okay. is we had no idea what to wear, what was going to protect us, what wasn't going to protect us. Are we wasting PPE by changing it? So that was the main thing. Mm-hmm. There was like daily emails we got about kind of what was going on, but it wasn't anything hospital specific. It was the same like daily briefing that they post on the government website. So it was like number of cases, number of deaths, uh, locations of outbreaks, that type of stuff. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to tell you, so in May, so this would have been before the color coding right. that you guys got um, in May for the entire month, I basically volunteered to work at a hospital rather than my actual job. And that was what we were pulled in to do was to administer, prep, um, do anything that had PPE related to it. Like that was our job. And they had come up with all these different like plans and rules for us, like civilians to come in and like deal with all this PPE. And you could just tell the, the nurses, like anybody who worked in the hospital was just like, fed up and we showed up and they were just like what now what's the change now like we can't handle another it's not going to be the same tomorrow so we don't even want to listen to you to hear what you have to tell me about my PPE today like they were just like everyone was fed up right and sure enough it only lasted about like three or four days and then we had to do other tasks because nobody wanted to deal with this PPE nobody wanted us packaging it because we weren't from the hospital and they like didn't trust it for whatever reason so yeah, it was yeah. a mess. And I remember you working there. I never saw you, but we did have the people come up and it was, it was rationed PPE. They said, here's your box of masks to get you through the next couple of days. You are not going to get more, yeah. make them last. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was crazy. Okay. And so then, so basically it was just like work like normal, but now we just have like crazy PPE to keep you from possibly getting this disease. Exactly. And I, I'm not on the COVID unit, so I can't speak for kind of what their process was when they were actually right. getting COVID positive patients. But for us kind of removed from the COVID unit, it was business as usual, just wear what we tell you to wear and when, when we tell you to wear it. Okay. And then let's go into summer because summer felt like, at least for us, like non-hospital people, it kind of felt like COVID was maybe like ending or almost over like we had like one case a day two case a day like it seemed really like not a big issue um did it feel like that for you guys too to be honest nothing changed at the hospital at least the unit I was in um I worked a lot there were lots of shifts to pick up I'm not sure if that was just because people were taking time off or using their vacation kind of before Mm -hmm. they knew wave two would hit um but there was tons Mm -hmm. and tons of shifts so I remember working like every single day um there were days obviously things were open we went to the forks we had drinks uh I got married in a pandemic (laughs) 
So yeah, totally. Yeah. But cancer doesn't take days off. So it was business as usual. So. Oh my God. What a statement. Yeah. Cancer doesn't take days off. It doesn't. Oh my God. Pandemic or not. Okay. I have to pause and like absorb that for a yeah. second. Cause that was like very profound. Um, okay. So, but you mentioned wave two. So you guys were anticipating wave two coming in the fall? I think all nurses were like, everybody has the knowledge like, Hey, this is going to get bad when cold and flu season hits, when everybody's indoors again, summer was great. You're outside, you're sitting mm-hmm. at the forks in a big open mm-hmm. area. We all knew it was coming, mm-hmm. but I don't know what people were doing behind the scenes what they were preparing what they were saying again they just said kind of go about your day and and we'll tell you what we need to tell you when you need it yeah wow yeah and that was the next thing okay so when we were done with the ppe then they took this like day surgery area was totally closed off because obviously it wasn't a priority at the time right so they had this whole area closed off and they got us, since they didn't want us doing PPE anymore, they got us to collect beds that weren't being used and drag them all the way from all parts of the hospital to this one area. And it was basically like a COVID wave two prep. And it wasn't, it was just for patients. It was just like, we expect a lot of bodies to come in, live bodies, but I mean, patients uh, to come in and we're going to set this up as like a whole wave two zone. And so we're moving these beds, moving these beds, moving these beds. And then finally they go, actually, we don't really expect wave two to come. That was kind of a waste. We'll reassign you and get you to do something else yeah. now. And we were like, what? <laughs> yeah. And I think they realized like into the fall, like, uh-oh, we actually need these things. Okay. Let's, let's change yeah. things. And we would get emails saying like, oh, this unit is moved over here. Here's the new phone number. This move it, unit is moved over here. Here's the new phone number. So you knew there was things moving, just like not kind of what mm-hmm. they were for, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much chaos. It just felt like chaos. It just felt like unorganized chaos every hour. But it was very behind the scenes, like panic to the patients. Um, But definitely behind the scenes, I'm sure there was panic. Okay. So what is like, obviously, since I don't know, September, October ish, it's been way worse than it was in the spring. Um, What has there been like anything that's more exhausting or more frustrating in wave two? Or do you feel like it's kind of just the same as it was in the spring? Um, well, now they swab every patient coming into the hospital for COVID, whether they have symptoms or not. So they're immediately swabbed and they're immediately put on isolation. So you're wearing an N95 for your shift, mm-hmm. your entire shift, rather than just a surgical mask. So physically, oh, that's exhausting. Okay. Like having it tight around the bridge of your nose. It's just an uncomfortable feeling to be in that for 12 hours a day. Um, And then there's that fear of being floated to the COVID units. Like we know that nurses are off uh, because they're isolating. We know nurses are off because they're sick with COVID that they've been exposed. Um, Mm -hmm. So the COVID units are short. So they will pull from other units to staff Mm -hmm. those units. So there's always that fear. Like, am I going to be floated to a COVID unit today? Luckily I haven't, but there, there have been have definitely been loaded to COVID units. So there's always that fear going in, like, is this going to be the day I'm going to the COVID unit? Right. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Like how, how many um, hospital staff now have been affected and like how short staffed are you guys just because of that? Because now nurses or whoever else has it. We haven't had an outbreak on our unit. So we're fully staffed. We're good to go. 
Uh, I can't, there have been outbreaks mm-hmm. on other units. The government has announced those units, uh, as everyone's aware of where they are, what hospitals, what units. I think that's public knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know how those mm-hmm. nurses are, are doing. If 50% of their staff is off, if 25% is off, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Okay. So through all of this, uh, have you ever thought about quitting? <laughs> Um, I think everybody thinks about quitting with any job. (laughs) Even if you work at McDonald's, you have a hard day and you're like, why am I doing this? But (laughs) I think that comes with any job, right? There's good days, there's bad days. Um, But I I never actually would, right? You just say those things in the heat of the moment in an emotional state, right? I never would. Um, Patients need me. Like, not everybody is that what keeps you going back everybody you think about them yeah, like it's not about me it's not about what I want it's not about where I want to work it's about helping others and I think that's why anyone becomes a nurse it's they want to help others so mm-hmm. I don't I don't know of anyone that has quit nursing because of the pandemic okay yeah oh you guys are <laughs> such good people um so is there like I asked what's like the most exhausting or frustrating part about going to work? Like, is there a favorite part of your day or the best part of your day? Best friends. In the world I work with, my colleagues, my coworkers, the whole team that we work with, amazing people. And having Mm -hmm. that support system, when you can't see your friends outside of your home, you can't see your friends outside of your work. um, Having that support system, even though we're in PPE and we're doing a job, it's amazing to have that. So I have to say like, that's the best part of my day is working with some of the greatest people. Yeah. It's got to give you a unique bond, right. And something that only you guys can really understand and relate to specifically. Like you could tell me all about it, but what I can only kind of sympathize and be like, yeah, right. Sure. I get it. You know, like unless you're with one of those people. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be totally different. Um, can you share a story from like the hardest shift or the hardest day that you remember? Well, there's lots of, there's been lots of sad days for a number of different reasons, but I've cried with patients, right? There's, there's, they, there's visitor restrictions. You can't have family members. You mm-hmm. can't have your husband. You can't have your wife, your kids, your parents. So not only of uh, we are of nurses, we're acting as those family members as well. So I can be a nurse and do your vital signs and then the patient will break down and start crying and saying, I miss my husband, I miss my wife, whoever that family member may be. And you have to act as that family member. So we're taking on two roles. Uh, I've cried with patients. You know, your yeah. goggles get all fogged up. My, your mask gets all snotty. <laughs> it's not a good look, but that's what they need in that moment. And you know what, for them to see like, Hey, this nurse is a real person to see that emotion, I think really yeah. makes an impact and kind of helps them. Like it's, it's, it's empathy. That's what it is. Just to know that somebody yeah. cares. Yeah. Right. Cause when you're just laying there and you can't see the people that you know, for right. sure care, right. Like you can only talk to them over the phone or I don't know how they're communicating, but yeah, just to see that somebody else actually yeah. like gives a damn. And like, I've come home and cried in the shower. Like it's, you can hold it together at work as much as you need to for the patients. And I've come home and I've sobbed Mm -hmm. out of exhaustion. I've sobbed out of sadness. I've sobbed out of happiness sometimes if people, you know, finish their treatment. Like it's, every emotion seems heightened during this. Totally. Totally. Oh my God. But you have to, you have to get that out. You know, that must feel just like such a release. And you just like... 
I don't know, because you're bottling it up for like 12 hours and then finally you just get that opportunity as soon as you turn the hot water faucet. Yeah, you're just you like, ugly oh, cry in the shower. There, I can breathe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. Is there any one like story, thought, comment, sentence that you would want to just like get out there for people to hear or know, whatever uh, you want? Cherish your health right? Like it's not even about the pandemic. Mm. Um, I think people are, to put it bluntly, people are selfish right now. They think, oh, I'm not going to get it. I can see my family. I can see my friends. Um, But it's not about you getting COVID or your family members getting COVID. It's about the patients who don't have COVID. It's the cancer patients, the immunocompromised Mm -hmm. patients. ICU beds are taken up by COVID patients, not cancer patients at this point. So we need to protect those patients. And it's really made impact to, for me to take a step back and say, whoa, I'm healthy. I'm not in the hospital with a heart attack, with a car accident, with cancer or with COVID. I get to come home and I get yeah. to see my husband and I get to eat dinner with him and I get to go to bed with him every night. Those patients don't and they right. don't even have COVID. Yeah. So yeah. those patients need oh, to be protected. God. And I don't think people see that, unfortunately. No, no, that's yeah. the big picture, right? And and it, and it has been a long time. So I get the exhaustion of like, yeah, we got to like play around and hang out with each other in the summertime. But now we're back to these yeah. tight restrictions, right? And we've been doing this since March and people are over it, but that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it's over, right? So I get the frustration and I get the, oh, I've had enough of this. Like, I'm not going to stay at home and live in fear. That's what old people say on the news and why they're going to Christmas dinner. They're like, I'm not staying home being scared. I'm like, well, you don't need to necessarily just be scared, but you do need to stay home. (laughs) So yeah, wear a mask for, not for yourself, not if you don't want to do it for your family either, but wear it for cancer patients, wear it for immunocompromised patients. Don't visit family Mm -hmm. and friends for Mm -hmm. them. Don't have Christmas. I am not having Christmas. I can say that. I'm not seeing my family. I'm not seeing my friends it would be great if other people could do that as well. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I would love to. I want nothing more than to just get like dolled up, wear red lipstick, cute little outfit, yeah. you know? Like I want to go to a holiday party. I want to dance to music. I just miss dancing so much. Like everybody yeah. misses things. Everybody is craving their normal yeah, Friday definitely. nights, you know? Like we're we're all exhausted, but... But you're so right. Like if we still, if I still get to come home and like have pizza and watch Grays on a Friday night with my boyfriend, like I'm, yeah, I'm super have lucky. It easy. Right. As a healthy individual. You have it easy. These patients don't, yeah. they're, they're, yeah. they're fighting and, cancer in a pandemic. They have enough on their plate. Yeah. Yeah. And what I was going to say is, and we can taste yeah. the pizza. I feel so bad for all these people losing their taste yeah. and their smell. I can't even imagine. We were reading an article and somebody was saying like peanut butter and chocolate um, smelled like mold and that he was like absolutely repulsed by it. And like, that's half my diet right there is peanut butter and chocolate. So like, I don't know yeah. what I would eat. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Well, thank you for You're your welcome. insights and all your stories and your time and how do you think, think we did good. I think we I think little, we nailed I was it. like sweaty at first like I yeah. I was very sweaty like nervous I, mean, oh. I know you I shouldn't be nervous talking to you <laughs> <laughs> no 
no, I think this is going to be a really nice episode to put out there. I think people are going to enjoy hearing it from yeah. the people who are right and there. I hope you know? that this helps someone if they're thinking, oh, I'm going to see my family on Christmas. I hope they listen to my story and hear my thoughts and mm-hmm. maybe think twice about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you again so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate you going to work all the time. I appreciate you being yeah, family members. You for the people without family members and I hope you keep going. I don't know how you keep going, but I hope you do. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And yeah, thank you. Okay. okay. I'm going to end it there. Bye. Okay. Bye.